Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, I think we're ready to go here, Dave Jones. Blue White Breakdown. January is out. We've climbed another uh, level of winter. And now we're only two months away from spring. Yes, and do you know what movie came out exactly 30 years ago? Was it Groundhog Day? Bing! That's that's Ned Ryerson. <laughs> Bing! That's Ned Ryerson. Uh, yeah, Bill Murray, Andy McDowell. One of your favorite movies. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> really clever. I think uh, Harold Ramis had something to do with that. He might have directed it. I think he wrote it. I think he wrote a lot of it. Yeah, he wrote he wrote a lot of stripes. He wrote a lot of Ghostbusters. He was a very talented guy. Yeah, just a clever, clever look at it too. Like you know that they could have they could have just you know taken the money and made that like a throwaway movie. But I thought it was really well done. Penn State fans, if you haven't ever seen Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, definitely see it. It's awesome. Yeah, you got to get into art theater or something because it's it's the kind of movie you can watch 20, 30, 40 years later. We, I, I showed Nick Ghostbusters when he was about 12, which is 10 years ago, but still 30 years after it came out. And I thought, well, I don't know if this will be dated or what or Phil. He when when the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man came out. And and Dan Aykroyd is saying, I tried to think of the most innocent, harmless creature. <laughs> I know. I know. Unbelievable. He comes out from behind the skyscrapers and Nick, he says, it is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And Nick absolutely dissolved in belly laughs. You know, at 12, 13 years old, that's not always. Yeah. So so that's that was Harold Ramis, uh, I believe, too. Also, Tom Brady Retirement Day. Part two, and the reason I bring it up to you is I know you were – I was actually at this game too, but the Brady game, Penn State, Michigan, 1999 at Beaver Stadium. I think it was senior day. It was November 13th. I just looked it up. Uh, I don't know how much you remember about but Penn State had them Penn up. State had a, Penn State had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah, they probably shouldn't have, but they did. And Brady, great <laughs> – Penn State fans that are that are young fans. So Tom Brady engineered a great comeback at Beaver Stadium, as Dave referenced. But Penn State should never have been ahead. They scored on a Bruce Branch punt return. Bruce like a, Branch. Yeah, and I think <laughs> a, there was a defensive touchdown. They were like two <laughs> three hundred on third down. They had two third down conversions. And anyway, Brady came back, brought him back, two touchdown passes. And a rushing score. I think it was 31-27. That was one of the that was part of the Penn State slide there at the end of the regular yeah, season. It was, it, it was the beginning also. You remember Joe kind of had Gary Moeller and Lloyd Carr's number there for a while. Uh, beginning with the 94 team, then 95, 96, they won three in a row. 97, uh, when, when Brady was a freshman, ended that with a thud. 
he didn't play, but that was a Brian Greasy team, 34 to 8 in Beaver Stadium. And then every year after that, for years and years, Lloyd Carr owned Joe Paterno, starting with Brady's tenure pretty much and Drew Henson. That was a whole other melodrama that I got to hear about behind the scenes because my brother-in-law was lobbying for Brady to start over Drew Henson, which I thought was preposterous. I thought Drew Henson was like a surefire NFL. Yeah, I pro. remember. He was supposed and, to be the prototype. I remember. Yeah, man. He, and he ended up well, pitching in the Yankees organization for a little while and for the got Cowboys. a cup of coffee with the Cowboys. Never developed. Uh, but didn't he look like a great college quarterback to you, like a like a, an NFL prototype? He did. He must have been mentally not – it, he had the physical tool, so it had to have been a little bit mental for old Drew. A little Henson. bit of Jeff George in it, maybe. Yeah. Hey, Dave, let me read you the touchdown scorers in this game and see if you can remember. Uh, Anthony Thomas, great running back for Michigan. Fred, Fred, one of, one of Fred's greatest pupils as a running back. He yeah, loved he had, it. He had a great day. Thirty-four yeah. carries, one hundred and twenty-seven yards. He scored a those touchdown. Are, those are Big Ten figures back yeah. in the day, aren't they? I don't. I think Anthony Thomas might not be feeling great little, right about now. That it's like, George Perlis with Lorenzo White going on there. Yeah, yeah. it was ten nothing, and then Bruce Branch, seventy-nine <laughs> yard punt return, and then Brady got cooking. He threw a touchdown pass to Marcus Knight. Penn State rallied with a field goal by Travis Forney and a Kevin Thompson to Eddie Drummond touchdown pass in the third quarter to tie the game. They take a ten. They take a ten point lead thanks to Baoju's forty six yard interception of Brady. <laughs> and with three minutes and twenty six seconds to go, Brady runs it in. And then with a minute and forty six seconds to go, he connected with Knight again on an eleven yard. Yeah, what I want to know is what happened in the interim between three thirty and one ten or whatever that was. Right? I just, uh, but I mean, I was actually I had to go up there because it was senior day, and Nick set me up there to write some sidebar on the seniors. But anyway, I just can't believe that we're still talking about Tom Brady and it's twenty twenty three, and this <laughs> game was played in nineteen ninety nine on on no, no, November. I, I was doing some re- I was doing some research on a. Uh, a mailbag question that the mailbag just went up and it's the, it's the lead question from a, a friend of mine, Adam Klein. And I thought it was a great question. And he said, in your experience in, in the NFL in, in NFL history, and this is a great question for you. I almost called you. Have you seen any quarterback progress from one year to the next as fast as Jalen Hurts has for the Eagles? And I came up with an answer that, because he said, I think it's the greatest uh, ascent as far as not just right, just understanding of the game, like ever, and so can you guess what my, my response? Well, was? I mean Brady, Brady had to, Brady also had to be in the conversation. He was, a, I think, he was a sixth round pick. Jalen Hurts was a second round pick, but, but really, not only that, he didn't he he barely played in two thousand. Ne- not only that, he that. never he never saw the inside of a gym in two thousand. If you saw that. <laughs> Saw that picture of him at the combine. What was that? You know, about? Who he, you know who he was behind? Not only Henson, but Michael Bishop and um, Bill Dreisbach that, or somebody like that. Somebody. And that Freeze guy. Matt, what was his name? Matt Freeze. Yeah, F R I E S Z. John Freeze. That's uh, it. John Freeze. He, he began that season as the fourth string quarterback. He had to earn any time. He he completed one pass in 2000, and that was it. So he went from that to 
quarterbacking in the middle of the season coming in in week eight when Bledsoe almost Bledsoe died on down. the field by Mo Lewis hit him. Yeah. He, oh, he yeah. Almost, that, he was almost a, that was a nasty hit. That was a nasty hit, wasn't it? Yeah. And starting in week eight, and I went back and watched. You can find anything on YouTube. You can find anything on YouTube. I went back and watched his first start in Atlanta, which was also the first appearance in any long stretch of who? Atlanta, New England, 2001. Correct. First appearance of, oh, wait. Was it uh, it was it an announcer? No, it was a a falcon. All right, all right. It, w- it was not Jeff George. Michael Vick. Ooh, it's a it's a remarkable a remarkable game. Yeah, uh, because Atlanta was not doing well, and I can't remember who was the quarterback back then. They were they were just a couple years removed from that Super Bowl team in '98. Yeah, Chris uh, Chandler. So Chris Chandler. Chris Chandler. That's who it was. And I don't remember if Chandler got hurt because Chandler was always getting hurt. So he probably got a concussion or something. That's that's what happened. And in the same game, you can watch Michael Vick doing what Michael Vick did, which was mainly bust the pocket and run like no quarterback has ever run 25 yards in like a second. And then Brady picking the defense apart already. It, It was a remarkable uh, if you want to look at that on YouTube, it's it's pretty remarkable stuff. Uh, that's Brady's first start and Vic's first of appearance of any length. Dave, you know who I, I immediately started feeling bad for when I heard the news today? Also, not a huge surprise, right? The guy's 45. He's Greg Olson. A, he's got a $375 million guaranteed deal from Fox. No, I actually, I actually started to feel bad for Chris Godwin because I don't know what he's going to do now in Tampa. I think they have him locked up, and I don't know. Who, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year, and if he's going to be any good. Oh well, he's going to have to learn how everyone else lives. I know he's certainly getting paid well. Well, I've got a call into his agent. I'm actually trying to do a uh, feature because Chris is very uh, involved in uh, rescue dogs. Yeah, I, I can see that. that. He and his wife. There. Yeah, he and his wife. So I thought I'd do an off off topic on that because. He just seems like he's really genuinely into it, and I, 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 I've got a soft spot in my heart for that. He, he made his money. He'll be okay. Dave, I'm going to set it, the over-under on that story that you're going to write about this at 8,000 words, and I, <laughs> I feel confident. I'm not going to do that. I feel, no, I feel confident the over is going to hit, and he's going to send you pictures of dogs, and you're going to put them in the story. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. So anyway, we got we got to Tom Brady and Penn State, so that's out of the way. There's a couple of Penn State things left to talk about before we get to Penn State men's basketball teams just thumping of the Michigan Wolverines. But, uh, Dave, what are, what are your thoughts on a former Penn State uh, offensive coordinator? He was a short-timer at Penn State. Kirk Shiraka, uh, he, he's moved from the Big Ten West in Minnesota to the Big Ten East, but it's not Penn State. It's Kirk Shiano's Scarlet Knights. The new OC, handsomely rewarded, but, boy, what an undertaking. Yeah, Greg Shiano was kind of up against it from what I've heard. Um, that that he was trying for some agent contacts. He was trying a lot of different 
avenues, but he's not known as the easiest guy to work for in the business, which you can probably imagine. What are you saying, Dave? What are you saying? (laughs) Say it, Dave. And some guys turned him down, and they started offering pretty crazy money for Rutgers. It's not for other schools right now, but uh, I think Shrock is going to make him click well over a million uh, to be a coordinator. And, you know, what has he done lately to... To earn that, plus he worked for Shiraka before, or he worked for Greg Schiano before, and um, it's at least they know each other. They know they know <laughs> the the rough corners on each 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 of them. But uh, it just goes to show you what needs to be done. A to compensate guys right now because the money is out there. By the way, I mean, do you remember a couple of years ago? All the all the sob stories and all the crocodile tears being shed by people like Barry Alvarez about the death of college athletics as we know it, brought on by COVID. Do you understand how much money is being through thrown around right now? It's it's exponentially more. I mean, none of that crap ever happened. None of this downfall of college athletics ever happened. The donors are just ponying up more. The TV contracts are worth more. It's it's ridiculous. So Kurt Schiraka cashed in at the right time. I mean, he 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 found a situation. I'm sure you've seen baseball contracts where you see a, like a middling middle in, infielder who's like, yeah, okay, he's okay, and he signs for you know 16 million a year. That's the kind of stuff going on right now, and it's going on with college assistants too. Yeah, you you didn't just call Kirk Schrock a middling, did that wasn't that's not what I was taking away from that, did you? Well, he is right now. <laughs> when you say right, that, he's just checking. You know what? Ever since 2019, it's been a little bit of a yeah. It's been a little bit of a rough ride for Kirk. Nice guy. Uh, he had that. They had that one great that one great year. I know he did some good things with Fleck at Western Michigan, but the thing the thing about Schrock is he's going to have to broaden his his level of expertise beyond just the the RPO, which was his specialty. But it takes a lot of ingredients. We've talked about this. It takes a lot to put that on the table. And you have to have a lot of great aspects. You've got to have good running backs and really good wideouts who are able to it's, it's all about pushing and pulling the safeties. And you have to have all the ingredients. Plus you have to have a really quick quick thinking uh, quarterback who can make a lot of plays, not necessarily on balance and moving his feet. And for a, for a long time, Tanner Morgan was that guy. But look at the the receivers he had in 2019. It was an in, incredible bounty for someplace like like Minnesota. And two of those guys, I mean, Johnson was talking about Godwin. Johnson was playing for the Buccaneers with Brady for a while. Tyler Johnson was shot. Bateman still in the league with who? The Vikings? Where's he? Bateman's still on the uh, Ravens roster, first round pick, and one of those one of those receivers is still with the Gophers. I think he's coming back for a sixth year. He got he was hurt this year. I think Chris Ottman Bell. Uh, those were the three in 2019, and they were a fabulous triumvirate of receivers. They all caught a touchdown pass in that 31-26 game. What I'm saying is, for that one year, he had all the ingredients that you need. The RPO is a very specific, involved offense, and it's not easy to run where you have to have all the ingredients together in, in synchronicity. And it, it, they didn't clearly hear in 2020, and I, and I don't think they did in Minnesota or 2021, and they didn't in 
Minnesota last year. I mean, he hasn't been able to regain that. So a guy like that getting paid like this is pretty remarkable. I mean, he's and he's got now he's got to live in Jersey too. He's got to live in Piscataway. So I lo- I like Central Jersey. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff in Central Jersey. Well, he's got to he's got to call games at that stadium. Let me let me let me change my mind. It's the stadium. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really crazy. That that place is rough. That's a rough go. How would you characterize that stadium, Bob? Was it plastic? <laughs> it just it just reminds. I mean, it's just it's. I don't it's know. It's kind of like an add-on modular stadium, right? It's hard, a track it's hard home. to see a path forward for Rutgers right now, but <laughs> prefab. Stranger, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stranger things. It's it's almost like a it's like there's there's parts of Vet Stadium that have come back to life <laughs> in New Jersey. Maybe they did that. Maybe they repurposed the seams. Minus, minus the seams in the field that cost Wendell Davis both Patel attendance. Anyway, let's let's move along. Uh, hey, so I have been doing this list before we get to men's basketball here on the Blue White Breakdown. I've been doing a list of potential breakout players for Penn State football. I'm going to run the list by you so far. I want you to just pick out one guy that you would agree you're excited to see play in the fall. Here we go. It's all, I got seven names for you. I'll go slow. Caden Saunders, Cam Miller, cornerback, Zane Durant, big defensive tackle. Jalen Reed, the safety. Harrison Wallace, the wideout. Zaki Wheatley, another safety. And Kobe King, the linebacker, the brother of Kalen King. Out of those guys, Dave, does anyone get your attention? I will pick Zaki Wheatley because, because he has made plays and he's gotten action when he's gotten opportunities. You'd see him around the ball. You'd see him uh, tracking the ball and getting there. And it, it's easier for defensive guys in, in, in some ways if they have the body to do it, and I think he does, than it is for offensive players. Uh, Harrison Wallace is kind of an interesting case. He was a, a fairly uh, well-regarded recruit, and he's had his chances. He had, uh, he had a drop in the Rose Bowl, didn't he? Or am I, am I misremembering? Uh, yeah, he, he, is, he is athletic as all get out. Uh, but yeah, he just hasn't much like Keandre, like they're, they're guys that just need to consistency is the name of the game. That's what they need to see from you to, to keep running you out there. It's one of the reasons they went into the portal to get those two guys, uh, McLean and Dante Cephas of Kent State. But they certainly have the they certainly have a much deeper wide out room. I think if one of those transfer portal guys Fires, I think Penn State's going to be fine at wideout in 2023. Well, I would still pick Wheatley and King because they got experience. They showed some success. And when young players get some experience, get some run, and then have success, that can be a catapult. He was also, Dave, uh, you know, he, he, had a, he, he forced a fumble at Purdue. He had a couple of interceptions during the regular season, and he didn't really play that many snaps. And he was also in on that tackle where the Utah quarterback got knocked out of the game. Yeah, I don't know if that – I don't know if, you know, that caused the injury, but he, he delivered a shot to that Utah no, quarterback. He, that impressed me. He was in the middle of it because I was at home. I was not at the Rose Bowl, and I rewound it, rewound it. He's in the middle of that, that, that trio that, that hit Cam Rising. And he's the guy that made the impact. When I see that from a kid, 
that shows me something. That that shows me a football player. So he he that's another reason I picked him. Yeah, he seems to at big moments he he kind of he kind of is there even if he doesn't start, and that is a very good sign. I think a lot like Jair Brown was always big moments. Uh, Zaki Wheatley is 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 a guy that's a little bit bigger than Jair, younger. But let's just see what he can do if he starts. I think he could be a really good player, especially on Manny Diaz's kind of defense. But Dave, you were not that impressed. I think one of the last times we talked about that Penn State effort at Rutgers in men's basketball. But I did I did turn my eye to the TV over the weekend. I think it was, yeah, when they played, they played Michigan and it was never a game, right? How was that surprising to you, or did you think that response was coming? Um, I'll tell you who was not really surprised was were some Michigan people I know. Um, <laughs> they are really down about you know, I told people when John tried to tell some people when John Beeline left that he was going to have a, a very big pair of shoes to fill. And everyone, who's the ESPN who, I can't think of his name, who's talking about how they needed to get Jawan Howard back and, and recapture that attitude. And what he meant was the attitude of the Fab Five. Are you kidding me? You know, and, and the Fab Five never won anything. They never won anything. And so here's your attitude of the Fab Five. You know, we, we saw this chaos on the sideline with Wisconsin last year. Now we're seeing a team falling apart now under Juwan Howard. And, and really, you, you question whether they're committed. That's a fairly talented team, and they're going nowhere uh, with a real building block in the middle and Hunter Dickinson and a lot of pretty good athletes around him. They got shredded. They got taken apart because – I compare Penn State. Penn State is a – they're a fairly one-dimensional offense. If they hit threes, they're going to kill you. And if they're not allowed to, like Rutgers didn't allow them. Rutgers was committed to defense, and they always are under Steve Peichel. And they have long athletic defenders who got in Penn State's face on the perimeter, and they just didn't allow it. They were not going to allow Penn State to play its game. It was like Bill Belichick taking away what you love to do, see if you can do something else. And they scored 45 points. Michigan, in stark contrast, <laughs> on a, well, they were they were kind of they have the athletes to do the same thing uh, to Penn State, but they were a step late all day. And Penn State is like a, a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy in the major leagues. It hits 230. Shreds who shred? No, who, who can hit 270? But he makes all his stats against number three and number four starters. All right, and then you right. get them in the playoffs and they can't hit the number one guys. They're just, if, it, if it's that hard, uh, like it was against Rutgers, but against, against the ham and eggers, man. And that's what Michigan defense was. Oof. It was just not kind of negligent, not really attentive and a step slow. And, and Penn state runs his stuff so well under Michael, Michael Shrewsbury. If you give them that, they're going to take you apart. And they did. For Penn State to get in the tournament, what, what what do you see for them? What do they need to do? How do they need to finish? Is there somebody on the schedule they need to beat? How how do you look at them getting into the tournament? They're fourteen and seven, five and five right now. I think they need to go five and five from here out. And they, the problem is they have six road games, four home games. It's not going to be easy. But they'll probably be favored in six of those games, actually. I think they need to go five and five minimum to get on the table with the NCA and then 
gun to my head, they're if they win one in Chicago where the NCAA tournament or where the Big Ten tournament is, that would be 20 and 13, 11 and 11 overall in Big Ten play. I think that gets them in Dayton. All things being equal. You love Dayton. <laughs> UD Arena wow. covered high school championship games there, <laughs> high school tournament games there. Um, that is the side of the first four, in case you didn't know. And yeah. I think if they somehow go six and four, they're in. That's what they need. But they need to, they need road wins. Their only significant road win is well, their only road win, I believe, is against Illinois, which is a hell of a road win. Right now, <laughs> Illinois is peaking. Yeah. Uh, Illinois seven, seven and four. And third place, I believe. That's a really good win. They beat them by 15. They beat them up, but it was back in December. It's really going to cost them that they they couldn't hold on against Clemson at Clemson. Clemson is leading the ACC right now. And they had the ball and the lead with under a minute to go at Clemson in, in the first overtime. Couldn't hold it. Lost in double overtime there. That win would really take care of them now. They didn't get it. Uh, they didn't get the win at Wisconsin, which is not a very good team uh, that was available to them. So they got some work to do. If they, if they go five and five, you would think have won at Nebraska. They have some other road games in there. They will have won a couple. I think that'll be enough. All right, David Jones, I appreciate you playing Hurt today. It's the blue-white breakdown. We talked Tom Brady, a former Penn State offensive coordinator, little Penn State men's hoops. Uh, Penn State breakout players for 2023. Full slate. Dave, get your rest. uh, And we will be back to talk more Penn State football with Dave Jones and Bob Flounders, me being Bob Flounders, next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.